1: The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21-plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: What's going on, everybody? Jared Sandler here welcoming you to another episode of the Justice Set Conversation. We've got episode 65 for you right here with someone I got a chance to meet a few years ago, Jenny Dell Middlebrook. She's married to former Texas Ranger Will Middlebrooks, who uh, was featured in uh, episode 56 of the Justice Set Conversation. Jenny uh, has had a really, really successful career as a broadcaster got to meet her when will played for the rangers uh and we talk about her broadcasting career as well as some other challenges that she's had to overcome in her life a a really really enjoyable conversation with uh, a tremendously awesome and sweet person uh in jenny Uh, just a reminder would love for you to subscribe share uh and like comment any any and all would really appreciate it uh it, it, it really, you know, hopefully only takes a second for you, but uh, it really goes a long way for me. Uh, anyway, episode 65, I think it's our first husband-wife combo. We've already done Will. Here is Jenny Dell Middlebrooks. Just a sec. Conversation episode 65. All right, Jenny, so I always ask this. It's kind of generic, but you can take it in whatever direction you'd like. But when you think back to your childhood what are the things that stand out to you?
2: Ooh, that's an interesting way to start this off. Things that stand out to me, I mean, family was everything, still is, but that my childhood, that really kind of hit it home as far as everything that we did. So um, I loved cooking with my mom. I loved watching and playing sports with my dad, being with my sister, who's one of my best friends to this day. Um I just I grew up in a small town in Connecticut, so I had a really good uh neighborhood that I'm still very close with, all the all the neighbors we still talk almost every day. And I, I had a very simple, easy, happy childhood. So I um, I have very fond memories when I look back.
0: When did you get interested in sports? And I know you, you were an athlete and then I think if I, I'm not mistaken you Uh, in in high school, were you a cheerleader, and then, or or was it in college? I know uh, that was a part of the athletic experience. But but what what?
2: are you saying? Cheerleading is is a sport. I'm proud of you for saying that because there's a lot of people that will debate that topic.
0: (laughs) I Jenny, I have a stepsister. I will never forget. She's older than I am. I was probably in like sixth grade, and at like the big homecoming pep rally, she was the. I, I don't know the roles. I don't know the names, but she was the one that got thrown up really high. The flyer, uh, the flyer, and the yes. guy, and I mean, I doubt he'd be listening. But in the event that, like, I don't, I know, that I, I'll <laughs> never forget the guy's name. But the guy dropped her or didn't catch her. Oh, uh, yeah. And so, uh, I and, and my stepsister finished like the routine. Uh yep, and that's then, what we do. Yeah. I, so I, I've got, I've got some respect. I got respect.
2: I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. No, te- cheerleading is definitely a sport for anyone that's questioning that. <laughs> I what do we say? So I, you know, I obviously married to a baseball player and we've had these debates before and I'm like if you could just attend one cheerleading practice and see what actually goes on there I said I could go and dominate a baseball practice but you would literally die if you tried to go through a full (laughs) cheerleading practice and he's like I don't know about that but yeah anyways I, I always loved sports so my dad my dad loved Football and baseball, and I would I just would spend my childhood, you know, playing with with him and watching games on TV. And then I always liked dancing, so cheerleading kind of came naturally. And I, I cheered in middle school, high school, and then in college. And I was always the cheerleader that was teaching the other girls like why we were cheering, the words we were saying, you know, like why, what is a first down? I was the one that teach. I was trying to teach them actually about the sports that we were covering. So I think that I always kind of had a passion for sports and it wasn't my, until my sophomore year at UMass that I picked up a major in sport marketing. I initially was going to do hospitality and tourism management, wanted to own my own restaurant and potentially go into culinary arts and then kind of switched it up. And I was like, you know what? I, 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 love sports in general. So picked up that second major. I actually stopped cheerleading Um, my junior year of college and started working for the athletic department at UMass and kind of just fell in love with everything to do with the behind the scenes in the sports world. So when I graduated college, I was lucky enough to get an opportunity to work at ESPN right outside of uh, right when I graduated. And um, I wanted to do marketing and advertising and ended up in production, which I clearly didn't know anything about, but fell in love with. And then it was one day in the cafeteria where I got approached about going on air, and the rest is history
0: <laughs> so yeah i I to ask you about because i I did read about your initial major and and it's funny because mm-hmm. uh I guess you've kinda brought the culinary world into your your career over the last yeah. couple of years with some with some uh uh i guess sports and and food mix and and whatnot yep. but uh so what Okay. So I, I just curious from the culinary side, like, was that, did you cook a lot growing up? Was it just oh, something yeah. like, what, what, where was that in? Where did that interest come from?
2: I loved cooking from when I was a baby to when I could start stirring, you know, a pot to make whatever. I make pancakes with my dad every Sunday and cook dinner with my mom every night I could. And then Once I was allowed to, I I started asking my mom if I could just make dinner every night. And of course, my mom, both my parents worked full-time. They were like, yeah, (laughs) go for it. So I just started experimenting with different recipes. And when I was 12, my parents actually enrolled me in the Culinary um, Institute of Connecticut. And I was by far the youngest person there. It was all like older women and men and whatnot. And then like little 12-year-old me being like, I want to learn everything. Uh, and then I, I started my own catering business in high school called Simply Delicious <laughs> Del, with the two L's. And um, I I wanted to be a chef. And that was it. I was like, I'm going to go to the Culinary Institute or Johnson & Wales. And I want to be a chef. I want to cook for the rest of my life. And then, like, one day it just kind of hit me. And I was like, I love cooking so much. And I love cooking for my family that I, I was like, what if I and stuck in a kitchen all day and all night. And then I come home and I don't want to cook for my family. And, and <laughs> then I'm going to be stuck in a kitchen and I'm never going to talk to anyone. And I'm going to be, you know, back there all by myself. And, and I just was like, you know what, maybe I'll go into restaurant management, which is the last second change I made to go to UMass. And they have a huge hospitality and tourism management program there. And initially I was going to do restaurant management and I ended up switching that to event management as a concentration. But, um, I've been lucky enough for now we're going into our fourth season of shooting a show called Campus Eats, which you briefly kind of got into. It's on Big Ten Network. So we travel around to all the Big Ten schools and universities and eat at all the best restaurants. And we we intertwine athletes and coaches into, you know, if you're going to the big Ohio State-Michigan football game, this is where you got to go beforehand to get like the best burger. And then we'll have the coach come down and be like, yeah, this is where everyone goes. So it's, it's like a big mix of food and sports and it's been awesome. And then also on top of that, my college roommate ended up moving down the street from me in Florida and we just kind of resurrected the whole simply delicious, my old catering company. And now we have a food blog and pre COVID we would get together every Tuesday and cook a bunch of meals and, we started a YouTube channel and we have a social media presence now. So we're kind of growing that out. So it's been fun to keep that alive. And of course my husband loves to eat. So. <laughs> he's, he's a very lucky man. He gets breakfast, lunch and dinner made for him every single day. So he's good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got to cook for you every once in a while, right?
2: Oh, he, he is. Okay. He's an expert griller. Like, okay. You can. Yeah. And he's, I got him a smoker. He's obsessed with smoking meat. cooking though. Like that will never happen. I, when I leave for football games, I have to prepare meals to make sure that he's eating. Oh, in, yeah, I know. If not, he'll like, I don't know what he would do. He'd probably just go to get a burger somewhere or get delivery. But I'm like, okay, buddy. Well, yeah, we, still, we got to work on that.
0: What's his favorite meal that you make for him? And what's, uh, and what's your favorite meal to prepare?
2: That's, I, that is such a hard question because I I love cooking, like, a million different things. I feel like I always naturally end up going towards Italian food, which I'm not Italian, so I don't know why that happens. But I feel like it's comforting and, and tasty and hearty. Um, I make this pad thai that Will's obsessed with. I'm actually making it for dinner tonight, and the recipe is on um, simplydelicious.com. It's super easy, but I would put it up against, like, any pad thai that I've had out in restaurants. Okay. It's really good.
0: All right, I like that that's a you know yeah. that's not your that's not like the typical answer you'd expect.
2: No, I like to switch it up a little bit, you know
0: yeah, all right, so you mentioned I wanted to ask you, you kind of had a, a somewhat circuitous path to you know the the career that uh, yeah. you have because and, and you know not just the culinary stuff, but a lot of a lot of people they you know when they they get into journalism, it's like they know, exactly what they'd like to do and maybe mm-hmm. maybe they're not they don't do that you know exactly but like they want to be on yeah. air and it might be in a different <laughs> capacity but like you you were not i did
2: not want to be on air yeah
0: you, that, <laughs> and which is i feel like there are more people who want to be on air who end up not on air than people yeah. who don't want to be on air who end up on air so it would you mind i'm just curious like what what was that evolution like that yeah <laughs>
2: So, okay, so here, I graduate from UMass early, I have a double major. And all I want to do is event marketing for ESPN. That was like the dream job. Like I wanted to plan the SBs. And I wanted to host these huge Super Bowl parties. And that was kind of the path I was I was hoping to take. So was lucky enough to get in the doors at ESPN. And I took any job that I was, you know, and getting a job there in general, as you know, is very difficult. And um In my mind, though, I was like, I will do anything right now. I just want to get my foot in the door, and then I know I'll make my way up to the office in New York and and do what I dream of doing. And then I ended up as a production assistant on the NBA, and I fell in love with production. And I I didn't go to college for that. I didn't, you know, I I had no idea what I was doing at first. But, and also being a female in the industry, you know, you you do have to outwork everyone that's beside you. And I, I did my best to try and do that. And it was a couple months in that I was in the cafeteria and I don't even, I feel like it was probably at like 2am and you work crazy hours, especially as a production assistant. And this guy, um, I was chatting with this guy in the, in the line trying to check out and, uh, he made some comment and, and I don't want this to come off wrong, but he was just like, Oh, like, it's nice to see you again, Jenny. And I was like, yeah. And he could tell that I had no idea who he was. And he made a joke about it. So I was like, "I'm gonna figure out what your name was or what your name is." So then, for like the next week, I end up seeing him all over the ESPN campus. And every day he was like, "Did you figure it out yet?" Like joking around?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No." And I'm like, crap, who is this guy? Like I know I've seen him before, but I just I can't put my name on, I can't put my finger on it. So then it it was I forgot what time or what day it was. But I look up at the screen, because there's obviously TVs everywhere when you're working at ESPN, and there he is on my television, and it was Matthew Barry.
1: Oh, wow. And this
2: is when fantasy sports just started evolving. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Matthew Barry. So the next day, I, I was joking around in the cafeteria. I saw him there. I was like, hello, Matthew. And he's like, hey, you know, <laughs> you figured out, whatever. We were just joking around. He, he, was like, he was like, hey, you know, what's your position here? And I said, I'm in production. And he, and he said... I want to introduce you to this girl Molly Karam, who obviously is a superstar in her own right. At the time, she was doing ESPN Digital Media, and fantasy football was starting to evolve. And he was like, "We need more females to help out with our fantasy football, you know, broadcast. Would you be interested in learning more about it?" And I was 21. I was like, "Yeah, sure. Why not? I'm sure." (laughs) So I sat and I chatted with Molly, and she was so sweet and so helpful and and we put like a script together and then i remember um they were like okay well we're going to have you audition so i met with all the talent producers at ESPN and i was i was 21 so i wasn't intimidated i was just like this is so cool you know i wasn't i think if i if i was doing that now i'd be like Ooh, okay i got to prepare i got to make sure i'm perfect blah 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 but at the time i was like we'll see what happens with this so i wrote up a script went into the little closet green screen room and they're like, OK, we want to start using you on um, Countdown Daily, which was our NFL digital media ESPN.com kind of platform that we were doing all NFL coverage on for um, for com. So I started doing these few fantasy football segments and then I kind of grew to more and grew to more and grew to more. And at the time I was getting promoted in production and I still love the production side of things. But instead of taking a lunch break, I would run over and do like a quick interview for ESPN, ESPN.com or, um, you know, I'd, I'd show up earlier, stay super late to make sure I was getting whatever segments I needed to do for .com in. And I just enjoyed it so much that I, after four years, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I'm doing with my life. And I went from just, you know, hosting these little fantasy football segments to covering Super Bowls. and interviewing every celebrity and athlete that was coming through the doors of ESPN for .com. And I was like, I, I really enjoy this, but I love production. And that's when the job at Nessun opened up. So I had zero live TV experience. And my agent who found me through Facebook was like, hey, <laughs> I'd like to represent you. Um, he was like, I'm going to put your name in the mix for this job at Nesson And I was like, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> And, um, I remember him calling me and he said, you're not going to believe this, but you're in the top 20 for the Red Sox sideline reporter job. And I was in shock. I was like, me, what? Okay. This is amazing. So I just, the whole time that I was going through that whole audition process, it was exciting. And I was just trying to learn as much as I could about the audition process and, and meeting with different people and what it would take to to be on air in a different capacity and never in my wildest dreams did I think I was going to get that job because I looked at someone like Heidi Watney as, I mean, a goddess and she still is like a superstar. I was like, there's no way I could ever fill her shoes. And lo and behold, I was lucky enough to end up getting that job opportunity. And I was, um, you know, blessed to work there for two years and I had an amazing two years and After that, I met my husband, clearly, and I've been at CBS now covering college football and the NFL and college basketball for the last seven years. So it's been quite the journey from little 21-year-old me who had no idea what I was doing.
0: (laughs) And then you end up, and, you know, the the Nesson thing's cool, and, and, you know, we kind of touched on this like earlier but you that's like home for you like that that yeah you know it's not like you're from LA going to work in the east coast like this is kind of like your I mean I, yeah. I, this is like the home network growing up or, or I mean it's early yeah, so okay.
2: I I grew up on the southern side of Connecticut so there's like a fine line in Connecticut that's like okay Yankees fans versus Red Sox fans <laughs> and I grew up on the Yankees fan side Oh, yeah so this was like a situation because also both of my parents are from Brooklyn and my dad was like, you're doing what for work? And he was like, I cannot believe I have to support the Red Sox now. But it wasn't until I got him on, you know, the field at Yankee Stadium that he was like, you have the best job ever. <laughs> I was like, I know.
0: <laughs> so, um, oh, let me ask you yeah. this. Right, like, so when you stopped with the Red Sox and Will no longer played for the Red Sox, uh-huh. did their allegiance switch back to the Yankees?
2: I think they'll always have a special place in their heart for the Sox. I okay. think, I think my dad, it's hard to say because I mean, they're New Yorkers through and through. So they, they still definitely cheer on the Yanks and the Mets, which is, I know is like, you're not supposed to like both of these teams when you're from New York, but my parents are just New York fans, but they, they also knew how the Red Sox organization does things and how well they do things and how way the, how well they treat their people. And I think, you know, They they'll have a special place forever in their hearts for the
0: Sox. All right, so covering the Red Sox, that's I mean, that's a different beast. Like they're (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Your reaction says it all. But like they're they're probably I'm thinking, like, in baseball, you got the Red Sox and the Yankees and maybe the Dodgers, but I wouldn't even put the Dodgers on that level. Just, you know, having lived in LA when I went to USC, I, I think there's like a lot of fanfare, but they're not as Uh, intense necessarily Mm -hmm. in like the, you know, the day to day you got in the NFL, the Cowboys in the NHL, certainly the Canadian teams uh, and, you know, maybe at a a time Detroit, although, you know, they're not good now. So probably not as much, whatever the case, like there's a very short list of franchises that have the attention of their fans, the way the Red Sox do in the intensity. Yeah. So, what was, as far as that's concerned, what was that experience like? And how did you, what were the challenges or, or what were the benefits? How How did you, I guess, deal with that experience?
2: Um, so Red Sox fans in general, I, I would say are the most passionate fans out there. And I loved every second of being able to help represent that team. Um, with that said, it was scary as all heck because, again, I was, let's say I was 25 when I got the job with the Red Sox and the pressure that came number one, following Heidi Watney was immense. And just working for a team that it didn't even matter in 2012, that they were terrible. Everyone still watched every night. Fenway was still packed every game, you know, Red Sox fans, they are, they are ride or dies. Like they are with you through and through. So I just felt a lot of pressure to be perfect and god forbid i mispronounced a name or i didn't know a stat or i you know it it was it was a lot to take on and i went from this small town connecticut girl to all of a sudden being kind of thrust into this media spotlight in boston and while it definitely had its its perks and these amazing moments it was it was a lot to handle. And um, you you kind of become this, like, local celebrity overnight. And I just remember never wanting to disappoint anyone. And I know that that's, you know, pretty much impossible. So I just, I, even if you're having a bad day, I think that was, like, the hardest part is you always had to have this perfect smile on your face and act like everything is great. And a lot of the times it was. So I, I don't want to say I'm complaining at all. But, like, you weren't allowed to have a bad moment or you would get ripped apart by Boston media, by Boston fans. Um, so it was a, it was a tough two years to try to uphold kind of this um, perfection that's almost impossible to do. But I, I would try just so hard just to be nice to every single person that I met, which is just who I am in general. So that wasn't difficult, but you know, it it was just a lot of pressure to never, make any kind of misstep or miscue in any way and I remember there were nights where I mean I would go home and just be like bawling my eyes out and I'm like what is wrong with me like I have this dream job I have this you know I have amazing family and friends support but it was just the pressure kind of would get to you over over time and I don't think people realize being in the public eye in that way and especially in a place like Boston like what that can do to you but (laughs) with that said i wouldn't trade any of those moments for for anything
0: was there a, a, a one moment in particular where it's like th- there was a growth because maybe there was a mistake or even if there wasn't there was a reaction and you had to like get over that hurdle of people are you know some people are going to like me some people aren't going to like me some people are going to you know, realize that I'm human. Other people are going to expect perfection. But like mm-hmm. looking back, like that moment and getting through that moment was pivotal. Was there, I mean, and, and maybe there wasn't one, but was there one or is there one that stands out?
2: I didn't have, I didn't have necessarily a moment like that. But I, I remember that first year just trying to establish myself to be exactly, to be myself, but also like what people from, from Boston needed of me. I was just trying to figure that all out. Um, but it really, I think in 2013, when the marathon bombing happened, I think it made me take a step back and realize that while I still have to uphold kind of this reputation as, as the serious reporter, like I was able to almost just break down all those walls and realize that it it was more important to just be who I am. And, you know, like every game you would have, Uh, uh, marathon bombing, whether it was someone that was directly involved or a first responder, come to the games. And that, like those interviews, I feel like just kind of took like reporter Jenny away. And I was like, okay, this is just a a human being who just went through something that's so tragic and I want to bring their story and awareness to their cause or whatever it may be. So I feel like that kind of broke me down to be just more of who I was naturally. And I feel like that has helped um make me realize like that's what people want. You know, they just want you to be authentic and they want you to be personable and they want you to be real. And um you know, I think it was those interviews that that made me realize like this this is such a bigger job than just talking about Xs and Os and you know, innings and strikeouts and whatnot. It's uh about bringing the stories of people's lives to the viewers at home. The best way to do that is just by having like a real honest conversation. So I feel like that in a sense, um, changed the way that I looked at my job, if that makes
0: sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, I mean, gosh, like, you know, you could re in like an alternate reality, like go through your, your time with the Red Sox and not have to deal with or experience an event such as them. I mean, mm-hmm. the marathon is that, you know, and, and, the way the Red Sox were tied, I mean, they're tied into that event in yeah. general, but then, you know, how the Red Sox became such a big part of that and, and Big Poppy's speech. and yep. uh, I mean, that, that must have been such a, a, a surreal experience and one you probably would have loved to have never had, but exactly, yeah. one that, you know, I was... it, it happened and, and to, to be a part of that was must have been surreal.
2: Yeah, and I still am very close with a lot of those people that I got to meet throughout that that whole situation. And, I mean, I think it just bonded me together with, with this awful, awful event that happened in our city, but that made Boston so strong in a, in a different way. And, um, those are definitely relationships that I'll cherish forever.
0: Yeah, I know for sure. Now, all right. Speaking of relationships. So you, uh-huh. you meet, Uh-oh. you meet Will, uh, <laughs> Will's playing for the Red Sox. And you know, I, I, when, when I had the same conversation with Will, uh, I'll, I'll share with you what I shared with him. It's like, I, I understand that people, probably felt a certain way about that, but yeah. you know, it's not like, I mean, you guys are married and have a family, yeah. like, you know, it's like a, a job. I don't know. I feel like that's like the ultimate thing in life. And maybe, you know, everyone's got different priorities, but like for some people, you know, getting married, meeting that person, starting a family, mm-hmm. like that's the peak, like more than your career or anything. And, and that shouldn't get in the way of your ability to achieve seems like the wrong word, but like develop that and so yeah. i guess what what was that experience like and i know like will talked about having to live a secret life essentially oh yeah for a period of time But like what i i mean it's obviously it's it's become this amazing thing for y'all but what was that like and maybe like the uncertainty of like you know getting into it when it it started and i'm sure yeah. there are all sorts of emotions with with what oh went my god out.
2: there are a million different emotions it's it's funny to look back at the whole scenario now but yeah, we totally had to live this secret life. I mean, his, his teammates knew about it. My, my direct bosses knew about our relationship. We, we wanted to make sure that we were doing this the right way. Um, but we also knew kind of how it looked. So we wanted to protect ourselves from Boston fans and media right away. Uh, just to make sure, like, if this is going to be something that is going to be a forever situation, then yes, it's worth the risk of, of having everyone know. But initially we both knew that it was going to be serious. And I think that's why we were both willing to jump into it. Um, but it was, it was crazy. So yeah, we we had this secret little life in, in Boston for a while. We lived in an apartment, but we would have to leave at different times. we never were once seen in public together. Um, I interviewed him just how I would interview any other player on the Red Sox. I feel like once we got to the ballpark, everything was completely professional. And I think that's why, It worked so well. Um, We never let our relationship interfere with our work, which was important. Even though we got into one huge fight in when was it, 2013, and then the next day, Will went out and hit three home runs in Toronto. And I had to do the post game interview with him, and I was that was like the first time we talked in like 24 hours, and I was like, oh, so maybe we just need to fight more, and you'll have a really great baseball career. I don't know, um, but hey, um, but yeah. Other, I mean, we it was it was it's like a little crazy love story looking back at it now, and I remember the hardest part was when we decided that we were going to come out publicly. We tried to handle it the best way that we could, but obviously you know, national media picks up a story and it's sideline reporters dating athlete. You know, they don't know that we've been living together for a year or how long it was or that we were talking about getting engaged or that we were, you know, that this was like a forever thing. They just see one side of it, which I totally understood. Um, and it was interesting because really none of the Boston media wrote about it because even though we thought we were doing a good job of keeping it quiet, um, Of course, they picked up little things here and there, and they're like, ah, I think those two are together. But they respected Will and I enough to not make it into a huge issue, and they knew that we were both doing our jobs as well as we could, regardless of that situation. So it was the national media that made it into this huge kind of headline story that um, could have really hurt my career. And initially, it did. So I ended up leaving the Red Sox, which was the plan all along. Um, But I actually had another job opportunity that I lost because of this situation and they were like listen like we like you as a person but right now with your name in the headlines and the way that they are we just can't have you come on board here so while will is getting applauded all over the city of boston for you know getting the sideline reporter i now am out with the red Sox and i lost a dream job and it was very difficult and i it was hard not to get frustrated with him about it because i was the one that was dealing with all the repercussions of what was going on um but I ended up thankfully having a meeting with CBS and they knew the entire, they knew the whole story and the situation. And they were like, listen, like we, we want you here. We think you're going to be an asset regardless of whatever is being put out there right now. Um, and thankfully it's been the best working relationship. Yeah. So it all works out for a reason, but there are definitely some trying times due to that. But I think we both knew that this was a forever thing and I don't think it really was until, we got engaged that people were like, oh wait, they're serious. (laughs) They actually want to be together. This isn't just some (laughs) fling. And then it was, you know, then people were like, oh, well, this is great. Like it's a little Boston love story. Like we love this. (laughs) And I'm like, this is what I was telling you all along. Like I wasn't just, you know, (laughs) gallivanting around with athletes. Like it was just will. And that's it. And that was my forever person. And we both kind of said, like, if this is, this is going to be it. Like we need to take these chances. So
0: okay, so you and here we are. <laughs> yeah, here you are, and and you've got two kids, and yeah, you're still together. Two
2: beautiful Davies, very uh, happy. I would say. I mean, I don't know
0: what he's still doing. Oh <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. So you you mentioned that's funny with the fights and and the home runs. I'm curious. Did you ever ask him a question in an interview, and he like like later on was like, "Why did you ask me that?" Like oh, that was a yeah. bad question oh, or whatever. Yeah.
2: I never got yelled not yelled at. He never said anything about a bad question, but I mean, obviously I knew the way he would go about things and like there were times where I was just like I wanted to shake him and be like, "Why are you swinging at that curveball in the dirt?" <laughs> and he's like, "No other wife is asking these questions like you should not be asking me these questions and I'm like but I'm trying to help and he's like that's not helping <laughs> I'm Like, all right buddy well <laughs> so there there were times in and, and obviously when I was uh with the team in 2013 there was a period of time where Will got hurt and he was down in AAA and when he was rehabbing and coming back like he was struggling a little bit and then then he was totally fine and, and great but I would have to do these reports about my boyfriend who was struggling in AAA and Will's watching, you know, the game, the Red Sox game, wherever he was. And he's like, seriously, Jenny. And I'm like, listen, I'm just doing my job. (laughs) Like you're, you're the one with that under 200 right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. I, I said that about a player once I was asked about the player, and I was just like, well, he's got, he's in triple A and he's got an ERA over six. Uh, yeah. And I was like, there was no like further commentary, but uh, I, I, I didn't get the same. Uh, I don't think I got the same response. Uh, no. that, <laughs> that player who went out of his way to search his name on Twitter was not too thrilled that I just presented a fact, but uh, it is well, what it is.
2: Listen, we're just doing our job. That's and exactly that's what I said when we first started dating. And when I was like, I am going to treat you like everyone else and, you just have to understand that. And he's like, I get it. So, you know, there were times where there were definitely conversations, but overall, I feel like we were both pretty good about making sure we're just doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. All
0: right. I want to ask you about the family stuff. Uh, You've been incredibly outspoken, but before I do, you almost didn't, get married to will because you went to prom with uh cam yeah my boy cam okay so i i just think these stories are great uh you see them every once in a while but what was that what was that like so if you could kind of set the scene uh what went down and then i'm also curious you know if you still talk to to that young man to this day
2: absolutely okay and i are buds okay so he started a twitter campaign and uh, it was—I think it was hashtag like have Jenny. It was a long hashtag. I was like, we couldn't have come up with something better. It was like have Cam Stewart bring Jenny Dell to prom or something. It was like this ridiculously long hashtag, um, and it all of a sudden it just started popping up all over Fenway. So, like people just started tweeting it, and they were getting tweets from like all over the world. So obviously, I reached out to the guy Cam, and I was like, hey. And he was like, okay, I have to get, I forgot if it was like 100,000 retweets or whatever it was, whatever the number was. He was like, if I get this many retweets, will you go to prom with me? And I was like, absolutely. Like, let's, this is fun. Sure. Why not? And he was like, seriously? I was like, yeah, absolutely. So he ended up getting the amount plus many, many more of retweets that I needed. And it was Rockland. So I went to the Rockland High School prom with cam we i did like full hair makeup i had to go prom dress shopping and at the time like the prom dresses that girls were wearing i was like i don't know if i should be (laughs) going out in public like this but got a nice classy prom dress and cam ended up getting winning prom king for the event i went in the limo with him and all of his buddies we had so much fun and i remember I was like after dinner, one of the teachers came over to me and they were like, Jenny, like, thank you so much for doing this, but like, you know, you can leave now. And I was like, oh, no, I'm staying till the end. <laughs> like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and I had the, I had so much fun. I mean, we danced the night away. We had a blast, went back in the limo and Cam and I are still, still buds. We still chat, um, you know, here and there. We definitely check in with each other multiple times a year. And he's doing really well. It's just, it's, it was such a fun experience and to be able to like make. Someone's prom experience better because I was there is like strange to me still, but it was a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome. That that seems like such a great time. Uh, (laughs) All right, so I I talked about this with Will, and you know, it's probably better to talk about this with you. But uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we mentioned you and Will have 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 two kids, but that process was not an easy one, and it's uh, it's one that you know maybe doesn't get talked about a ton, you know, but, and, and there's a stigma and, and whatnot, but yeah. you are one of, and, and I'm seeing this more and more, one of many women who are trying to break that stigma uh, of fertility issues and, and some of the challenges. And I, I guess I'm curious, a, just from like on a human level, like how, how tough of a time was that? Because, you know, listen, I, I'm, I'm going through that with my wife and I know uh, yeah. it's not easy uh, so not. How, how tough was that for you and and, and why did you decide to kind of champion this and, and, and make such an impact the way that you have? I
2: think that from the start, Will and I's relationship was kind of in the public eye. So when we were going through this, um, we realized that we weren't alone in it. And when I just started talking to my inner circle and close family and friends, I learned about how many people were actually dealing with this that I had no idea about. So in my mind, I was like, why is no one talking about this? Because as you know, it is very difficult to go through when any, all you want in life is, is to have a son or a daughter and you can't, it's just, it's confusing and it's stressful and it's emotional. And anyone that's been through fertility treatments knows the physical pain and how it messes with your hormones and it, you're, it just takes you kind of to a whole other level. And in my eyes, I was like, this needs to be discussed more. And I was lucky enough to find, um, a, a close friend who is now one of my best friends who lives in Washington state that we met on a IVF Facebook group. And she was kind of my person that we went through every single day, every single shot together, like every, whether it was an egg retrieval or transfer, whatever it was, she was kind of my person. And I was like, if someone doesn't have someone to, to talk to you about all this, I can't imagine going through it alone. So I wanted to open up our life to anyone and everyone that's dealt with anything like this before, because I just wanted to be there for those other women and men who are going through this, because it is, it's hard, it's stressful, it's emotional. And, what I found is it's it feels like almost everyone around you is getting pregnant, and you just can't and it's it's you just don't understand how how it's possible and why things are happening the way that they're happening and I just felt like it was important to let everyone know that it's okay to have these feelings and it to be confusing and it's okay to to cry or to laugh at the, at the good moments and to celebrate every little victory that comes your way when it comes to this. And, um, yeah, it's just, it was a crazy journey. And now, and this is something I say to anyone that reaches out to me, that's, that's going through this journey themselves is when I look at all the times that our treatments didn't work and that we didn't get pregnant, whether it was naturally or through IUIs or whatever, I realized that it didn't work because then we wouldn't have Maddie and she's I don't want to get emotional. Ooh, okay.
0: Take all the time you need. <laughs> Sorry. I, I didn't mean to to bring no. this out. All right, I'm good.
2: I think I think anyone that gets to that point where they finally do get pregnant and they have, you know, they're their son or their daughter, they realize, okay, well, this is why it didn't work before because this is, this is like our perfect child that was supposed to be here. And it's just, it's so hard to get to that point though. And especially when it just doesn't work for you for however many times or however many years or however many treatments, it's just really, it's hard to think that you'll ever get lucky enough to have a baby. Woo, I'm good. What? But when you, when you finally do, it's like, it's literally the best thing in the entire world. And I just wanted to make sure that other people it's so hard for someone that hasn't been through it to say like, Oh, just keep trying. Like, don't give up because that in itself is painful. And it's like, you don't even understand what I'm going through. So I feel like if you can kind of open yourself up and be like, I want to be, you know, if if it's two in the morning and you're emotional because you're just frustrated that your sister just told you she's pregnant. Like I want to be there for those people because, it was important to have people there when, when those moments happened to me. So sorry for getting all emotional on that. No.
0: Well, and and I'll tell you, I think those emotions are, are, are a microcosm of a lot of the emotions that, you know, it just that, that I'm, I'm witnessing as a, a, a I guess a, a party to, yeah. uh, you know, what, what you've gone through in so many women. And I know that, and and I don't mean this. I don't want to sound trite or just like I'm saying this because you're a friend. and I'm throwing this out there, but I know that that the work that that you have done to raise awareness and eliminate a stigma and others, I mean, it it makes a difference beyond those that you actually communicate with, you know. Thank and you. Um, I'm I'm certainly now that I'm you know going through this, you know, is a again, as a party to this, you know, with with my wife, I know how much of a difference that makes, and I know how much that's helped her. thank Uh, you. And
2: And I think that's the the other thing, too, about Will and I coming out. is like, yes, it's on the female a lot, because obviously we're the ones that is potentially carrying the baby and, you know, doing the shots and and doing the injections and taking all the hormones, but it also – I've had so many – husbands reach out as well just saying how like what can i do to support my wife in this because i feel so helpless and just for will to be able to give a little bit of advice on that or for me as a woman to say this is what helped me when will did a b c and d because i can't imagine how it feels from your perspective just being like arms up in the air there's not much i can do here other than just be like hey you want me to do your shots for you or can i ice your back or whatnot
0: well there you go episode 65 of the justice set conversation series with jenny dell middlebrooks maybe you just know her as jenny dell uh who does great work as a broadcaster and, and as you heard her share someone who's uh you know experienced some challenges off the field and you know i think her openness and uh, her leadership in 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 those regards uh, have been uh, incredibly impactful uh, thanks for tuning in. As a reminder, we'd love for you to subscribe or uh, comment, like, share. What, any and all would really be appreciated. Uh, we got all sorts of content on the channel, so feel free to swim around and uh, see what's out there, see what you like, see what you don't like, uh, and hopefully there's something for you. Uh, until next time, stay safe, be healthy. Talk to you later.